you don't very often get an opportunity to build everything from scratch, right? Normally you go into an organization and they have a some kind of program, some kind of PRM, some kind of MDS, you know, all the things that the kind of components of, you know, deal registration components of, of a channel program. Um, and we didn't have anything. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates, where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners grow faster. Today, I'm talking with Louise Cook, VP at Big ID. Louise previously has had senior channel positions at Silence, Acuvant, Integralis, and LogLogic. She has been recognized with a CRN Woman of the Channel Award, and the Silence Partner Program received a CRN five-star rating. Louise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. As will become even clearer when we talk a, a bit more, you're from England originally. And, I am, yeah. And you worked in sales and in the channel in Europe for over a decade, I believe, before me coming to the U.S.? Yes, I did. I've been uh, stateside for about 12 years now. So, yeah, I haven't lost the accent, obviously. Um, although <laughs> every, now and again, every now and again, it sounds a little antipodean. But, um, but yeah, um, still keep holding the accent because it's money over here, right? Everyone remembers you when you've been on, the, on a call with them. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of handy. And where are you located now? I'm in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, so right. In, uh, uh, we always like to say right in the middle, but it's not really right in the middle. But it's, it's a good spot if you've got, you know, trying to get to major locations. Yeah, the Mile High people. City. Exactly. Yeah, Mile High and 100 degrees today, actually. So, yeah, we're uh, warm. Yeah, you're sending that to us in Boston. We're, that's going to be uh, what it's going to be like this weekend. Yeah, that's what I hear. And that's so, very, you know, very traditional English person thing to do, though, is to, to manage to find a way to talk about the weather at the beginning of every conversation. So you're welcome. <laughs> so please tell me about your career path and, and what brought you to the U.S. and what brought you to where you are today in your channel work. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting because some of it is not necessarily how I kind of foresaw my career going. But uh, as you said earlier, I was in you know direct sales for, for both resellers and uh, manufacturers in the UK. And then when I relocated over to, to North America, I had um, basically lost my network, right? My network of people that I sold into. Um, and then I you know, obviously didn't want to leave the industry because it's you know, thriving as it was even, even then. So I was kind of looking around and said, well, I, I do know a lot of manufacturers. So it kind of took me on a path um, when I was uh, working at Integralis um, in North America to take on a role that was basically managing their kind of vendor partners. So kind of like a channel management role, but in reverse for, for a reseller. And that's from, from there, I led to, um, to a couple of other opportunities. And then I really lucked out, I think is probably the only way to describe it when I moved to silence. Um, it was people that I'd known from my Acuvant days that had gone over there early on um, and they wanted uh, someone to come in and do some, some channel work. Um, and I was just very blessed to be with a, um, you know, one of the, or the, I think, fastest growing startup at the time on that kind of race to, to get to uh, massive revenue. Um, so we kind of grew with the company. I was very fortunate to have good mentorship 
from uh, Dee Dee Dayton, who I'm sure many of the people listening to this know from a, a channel leadership persona, who was always very, very gracious with guidance and, and things like that. So when I kind of finished my four-year stint um, at Silence, just as BlackBerry acquisition happened, seemed like a good time to, uh, to spring off and do something else. To really just come to, to a company like Big ID, who is really in a very similar situation to Silence was when I joined with, you know, early stage startup, but with great success, but in a great position to uh, to be able to do something really exciting in the channel. So I was brought on board to run the, the global channel partners for uh, for Big ID. So it's, it's, it's an interesting challenge, you know, having to not just run North America, but have that, that global reach. And it's, it's not just prioritization, but it's, you know, looking at the markets that are not necessarily doing as well as others, but need a little bit more care and attention. And trying to do that with a small, very small team, but a lot of people that will pitch in, right? So there may not necessarily be dedicated people within the business right now to do specific things, but there's people that can help out with whatever it is that you need to uh, to do. And as having been here now, I think just over four and a half months, five months almost, um, it was definitely a good career move from from my point of view, for sure. Oh, great. I think I answered like three questions there. You got you asked me a simple <laughs> question and, and I just went off. It's just the way I, the way it is. <laughs> no, that was very good. So what does Big ID do? So we're in the uh, data privacy space, um, and which means a lot of things to, to, to different people. Privacy is one of those catch-all phrases, but really it's what we're looking at is privacy autom- automation. It's all about knowing what data you have before you can kind of make a plan to know what to do with it. So with the heralding of GDPR, which we've had for a year or so now, um, and also new laws coming out like CCPA um, and various other ones around the world and around the country that are coming into law. It becomes more and more important to understand what your data is, but also to be able to uh, correlate that back to an individual so that you can respond to things like access request rights. So consumers themselves are able to, to go to an organization and say, you know, what data of mine have you got? And, you know, do you actually have permission to have that data? So it's a very, uh, very hot space. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different from the security space that I was in before. So there's been a, a tiny bit of a learning curve from that perspective. But but yeah, it's, it's kind of bridging a gap between IT and business and security. So it's definitely a business need because it, there's a legal side to it, but it's also, it, it touches all of IT and everyone's data. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting space. Big Idea is a venture-backed company, and, and I guess you've raised over $96 million in venture funding since being founded just three years ago. So your partner program at Big Idea is new. You've just launched it. What went into you developing the channel strategy? So that's a great question. And it is, I mean, when you say launched, it's almost launched is where I'm going with it. <laughs> okay. So it, it, yeah, it, it's kind of there or thereabouts. Is, is so you're in all the... You're in all the planning and strategy and and preparation phase right now. Exactly. So we are. So we, you know, it takes, it's funny when you, you don't very often get an opportunity to build everything from scratch, right? Normally you go into an organization and they have some kind of program, some kind of PRM, some kind of MDS, you know, all the things that the kind of components of, you know, deal registration components of of a channel program. Um, And we didn't have anything. All of our business in the 18 months, since we started shipping a product has been through consulting firms, the big four, for example. So we didn't have a way of transacting with reseller partners. Luckily, drawing on a lot of the experience that I had at uh, at Silence and other places, we kind of put various different pillars in place of what needed to be done. So there was 
putting together what the what the program would look like, what what would make it easy for us to do for people to do business with us. So that meant going out and looking at all kinds of different PRM manufacturers, right? So looking at different portals, what it was that we wanted to achieve with that, um, looking at deal registration and how we wanted to not only implement that internally, but also then have a public face or a partner facing portal that that helps us kind of measure how well we were doing in that respect. Looking at pricing, how we were, you know, discounts, all the important stuff, right? What it was, what training looked like. And one big question, which took us a little while, was what to call the program. Obviously, that was a big starting point because you can't have a program without a name, uh, which we came up with. Uh, you know, we've, we've called our program the Momentum Partner Program just because it was, it seemed pretty apt in my mind that it was, you know, something that we were gaining momentum as a company and we wanted to kind of have that image to uh, to our partners as well that we were gaining that and they could gain it with us to uh, to find success jointly. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you're launching this new program, brand new program. And I think in a lot of software companies that don't have someone with your level of experience, they don't realize how complex it is to launch a, a channel program. You know, they sometimes may think, oh, you know, yeah, that'd be great if other people were reselling our software. That's that's terrific. So this must have involved a, a lot of research and thinking on your side and also a lot of conversations at the senior level of the company yeah it did and it was it was interesting the research i mean research is, it comes in all different guises right so there was obviously you know looking online for for portals and you know i was listening to a podcast i think it was on the channel journeys i think it was rob c or someone like that was was interviewing uh, another channel chief or something and uh, they mentioned a product that they were using so i was like huh that's interesting let's go and have a research around that um, but also, I've, I'm I'm very really very lucky to have a very helpful and happy to share peer group within um, the security space and I guess now the data space a little bit more, uh, where I've got a lot of people that I can turn to and say, hey, what do you use? What what worked for you? What what was more challenging? What did you think worked best? How you know any kind of pitfalls that you you can kind of throw back to me that I need to be wary of. So, I, you know. I've, I'm always very happy to help people when they ask me questions of, you know, how I've done certain things. And in the same way, I'm I'm always very keen to ask other people as to what experiences they've had with with programs and or or, or just how to to manage people or to how to manage systems and things like that. So I think just having that openness within the industry has been very helpful. The other piece I think that for just from a research perspective, you, it does take time, right? Because if you imagine you're looking at, I think we looked at three or four different PRM systems. So everyone, you had to have a demo and it wasn't just, it, they weren't just demoing to me. It was, you know, the people that had to get involved internally was, you know, our ops people, our Salesforce team. And when I say team, it's one person right now because we are a startup, but, you know, mm -hmm. poetic, poetic license. Um, we had marketing involved. You know, there was other people from an alliance's perspective on our, on our side that, would have input into that into that portal as it became live. You know, there were many different stakeholders, but just running it from a project management perspective, you needed to find time when everyone was available for an hour or whatever it was to do a demo. And then we saw three or four, five maybe demos, and then we had discussions internally and, you know, then you're responding to people. So, so yeah, it does, it's not a simple, oh, we'll have a program then and that's it. Um, there's a lot of thought that needs to go into it. And also I think the other thing too, and you, you touched on it in the question, having to, to speak to executives within the business, it's not just saying, well, this is, this is my vision for what the partner program looks like, but it's 
what does that really mean to anyone, right? So from it, it's a different, um, has different meaning to the sales people, to the ops people, to finance, right? So, so, you know, just understanding the difference between having one discount structure to to another and the, the need for distribution in certain regions and, the, and not the need for in, in others, having different types of partners in different regions as well. So where we might not have feet on the street in, for example, Australia or somewhere like that, would we put an agent type person in place? Would we have a distributor that could go and look for new partners in certain areas that we didn't have as much expertise in? So things, there's, there's lots of questions that come up and lots of things that, that you kind of need to consider, but it's yeah, time consuming and, and complicated. Um, it's not just a simple, you know, flick a switch and it's on. In the same way, taking on partners isn't like that, right? It's not just, you know, if, uh, if we all got rich by um, signing up partners, you know, I, I probably wouldn't need to work, but um, but that's not mm -hmm. the case, right? There's, there's a lot of work that needs to go on afterwards. Yeah, so part of the strategy must be an ideal partner profile. What's that <laughs> look like at Big ID? What What's your ideal partner look like? <laughs> that's a great question. And, you know, I think because Big ID is pretty unique in as much as we talk to the CISO type persona, we talk to the chief data officer, we talk to the CIO, um, and we talk to legal, right? So we kind of transcend all those various different personas within a company. There isn't really one ideal partner. I mean, it could be an ideal partner, could be a, a security reseller, right? A pure play security person who has deep relationships with the, with the CISO and down, and there's an influencer in that respect. Or it could be, it could be a firm of uh, consultants that deal in the legal industry, right? Because they're then talking legalese into that side of the, of the business that can talk more about the risk. It's hard to say what a, a perfect or ideal partner really looks like because it could take on a lot of different guises. And I think because we're not kind of being super specific about all of the type of partners that we want, it leaves us open a little bit more to different opportunities. So we've you know, had different types of consulting partners reach out different types of resellers, people that you wouldn't necessarily have known from a security space, but they're playing in, you know, with some of our technology partners um, in, the, uh, in the privacy and data space. Previous companies have been like, oh, well, if you're a security partner and you've got, you know, you deal with these types of accounts, then you're perfect kind of thing. Um, it's not quite so simple and straightforward, um, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, because I think otherwise we would narrow down the field a little bit too much for ourselves and, and we'll probably miss some opportunities. It sounds like uh, the shadow channel, the so-called shadow channel, is a key part of your strategy also, that not all of your partners are going to be transacting and implementing, that some are going to be referrers or influencers? Correct. Yeah. It's, and, and which, again, is kind of interesting. There's, there will be certain partners that, because of the type of business that they have, whether it's a cons consulting business, is generally the case where they are giving us they're, they're kind of taking us into different end users and referring our solution to those end users um, and working with us on the on deals but they wouldn't necessarily take the business on their paper so yeah it's a, a slightly different way of looking at the channel but it's definitely a an interesting dynamic because there's lots of people out there that have very good relationships with end users that aren't necessarily resellers right so we're you know just trying to figure out how that how that all works but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a different look from, from the other companies I've been at. So a lot of the recommendations for you on LinkedIn talk about your great contacts. And you've, <laughs> you've already mentioned how useful that is to be able to chat with people and colleagues at other companies and get recommendations for software and so forth. 
So will your personal contacts be a major source of new big ID partners initially, or is that not where that comes into play? Absolutely. What's the point of having a network if you're not going to use it, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it always does. And and even if the, the, you know, I've talked to one uh, partner that I've known for a long time, and just said, you know, we, we had the conversation, and just, you know, I kind of gave the the, uh, the pitch and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, well, I just don't think it's right for us. But then they turned around and said, but I know there's another company that we do some partnering with. Actually, it probably is down their street a little bit more. So, yeah, I think you're foolish not to use your network, right? I think for, for all kinds of things. And the other interesting thing that I found, too, is that your network grows. Every conversation you have as your network grows um, leads you to, to someone else, to another conversation that you can have about something that m- may not necessarily be directly helpful for you right now, but it could be for someone else in the business or it could be for someone else that you know. I connected with someone this week, interestingly enough, and we had a, a good conversation. And it kind of got to the, the end of the conversation. It, went, it wasn't anything that her or I were actually going to be working together on, but it was someone else I introduced her to. It was an alliances piece within big ID that was going to be helpful for someone else. And she was passing it over to, to their person within within their business. Yeah, I mean, I think network and contacts has always been a, a, big, a big way that I've been successful in my career. Um, and we'll obviously continue to do that. Given your deep channel experience, how have you seen the channel change, especially in the past three or four years? And I'm wondering how that may have impacted the structure or the strategy for your partner program that you're launching at Big ID. Yeah, and it has changed, right? I mean, I think we've seen a lot of consolidation uh, everywhere, right? In, even in North America and in, in Europe as well, specifically. Um, so companies that, you know, you had channel managers that knew a, a specific partner really, really well, and then they get bought out by someone else. So I think it's that, you know, the merger and acquisition of various different uh, companies around the, the globe has made it more challenging in some respects to deal with companies. I mean, just look at the NTT. They've kind of thrown everything under that umbrella now. So whereas before you had, you were working with two or three different business units underneath that umbrella and now everything's kind of under one. It adds some complexity, but it should in the end. Uh, I think the evolution is going to happen uh, in the same way that we've seen it with uh, with Optiv, right? When Acuvon and Fishnet came together, there was some challenges at the beginning, but now they've kind of sorted out so they're actually easier to work with and navigate around than they were. Um, you know, we've seen the same in Europe as well, where companies are being bought sometimes by North American organizations who want to expand their footprint, but at other times by, by other European companies just to make themselves bigger. That's been a change. I think resellers in general, from my perspective, have become more, they've become more of a value add purely because they've seen the writing on the wall in as much as they can make a certain percentage of margin on products. But being able to add services specific sometimes around manufacturers' products, but then services that are more geared to helping the um, the end user in the long run. So managed services, kind of pre-sales, I don't know, vulnerability and those kind of risk assessment type services. So really building out those kind of assets for themselves rather than relying on, on vendors to do a lot of that work. But I think resellers in general have become smarter because they've realized that in uh, it's probably parlance from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but, you know, shifting tin isn't going to make anyone, you know, it's not, not going to get to retirement very quickly as a reseller. So I think they can, they've seen that the, the way to, to success is around services. And I think the other thing that we've cha- seen change, which has been kind of interesting, is the diversification. So partners that were 
that just sold networking um, software or hardware before um, have said, well, you know, actually there's maybe some money to be made in security. And I think we're seeing that with privacy and data security as well now as we kind of move forward too. But yeah, I think we're definitely seeing companies that were, were purely networking partners before branch out and, and have started security practices. And kind of going back to the first point, they may have done that through acquiring another reseller or they could have just started practices internally and built them from scratch. But I think we've seen those kind of changes. So basically, I mean, I think in answer to your question and what, how that's really affected how we're building the, the strategy is that kind of what I said before, we're not closing our doors to, to any, any specific types of partners because there are some that talked to a few people recently and they're like, well, we're just getting started on this privacy path because they've seen legislation come into play. And, you know, like all good business people, right, they're going to follow the money. So if they can see that there's money to be made in uh, in data privacy, then maybe building a specialization around that is a good way to move forward. So is this a global program um, right out of the box? Or are you focusing in, in just like North America or Europe? Or, or where where are you focusing initially? No, we're going global with this. It, it makes sense for us to do it everywhere. We've made it. I was going to say simple enough, but we've made it streamlined enough that it'll fit with partners everywhere. So our focus is really North America, EMEA, but mostly the European part of that as opposed to the Middle East just now, and then Asia Pac and Latin America. So yeah, we're taking it global straight off. Okay, so you won't be sleeping for the next six or or 12 months. (laughs) Yeah, I don't plan to. (laughs) Right. Does GDPR drive in Europe? Does it, does that help drive demand for big ID? It does, and it yeah, it does, right? It, it it drives demand in as much as it drive it drives awareness and it drives people wanting to understand a little bit more about you know what they need to do to be compliant. We've also seen a couple of fines this this week around British Airways and and uh, Marriott as well about the, where they uh, kind of fell down a little bit on their compliance. So I think that also is a driver. Um, I kind of hate, hate to say it like that, but again, it's following the money, wherever the money is kind of thing, uh, whether it's from fines or or, um, or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely a driver. In North America, we're seeing CCPA being a big driver as well, the California Privacy Act. Um, and I think we'll continue to see that in North America as uh, various different states go to implement their own laws around privacy, then it becomes more and more complex because it's not just like that with CCPA, you don't have to, it's not that the company is in California, it's that it's dealing with anyone in California. So a retailer, for example, might be selling something to someone in California, so they need to be compliant. Yeah. Um, and in very much coming from, from Colorado, it's, the analogy I like to use is it's a bit like the marijuana laws, right? It's different state to state. There isn't a national law around that, and they're all a little bit different. So what works or, or what is put in place in California, it's going to be slightly different than the one that comes out in New York. And there's already one in Washington, and there's a number of states that have laws on the on the docket to uh, or act on, yeah, on the docket to come into into law later on this year and early next year as well. So it's becoming more complex. Yeah, well, that's how GDPR affects a lot of American companies too, because even if they're not located in the EU, uh, mm-hmm. if they're doing business over there and have an online presence, they have to be following those regulations. Yeah, exactly, and it brings another good point. I was talking to. Uh, to a partner in India the other night. And he was saying as well that India has a new law that's coming in uh, in the next couple of months or so that's coming uh, coming online. And not only is it a, a big economy anyway, it's a very fast growing economy, but also a lot of companies offshore data there. 
so it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, that all plays out as well but i think that's a really interesting opportunity in that market as well yeah well at some point there has to be in the u.s a, a national version of gdpr too when they get around to it exactly <laughs> You mentioned already some of the technologies you were looking at, uh, like PRM. So what do you think are the most important technologies for Big ID to have out of the box? And what might you be adding on later on? So we're a Salesforce user. And I think the key piece there has been, and again, this is something that we kind of learned the hard way a little bit at other organizations, is we've been very lucky that our our Salesforce uh, admin and person uh, internally has been very good. So our base level from a Salesforce perspective, all our roles and responsibilities within the, the software itself were set up really well to start with. So that stops a lot of the headaches that you're going to have further down the line. So Salesforce is a key to that side of the house from a customer CRM perspective. We've opted for uh, to go with a PRM from a company called Magentrix. They've been very helpful, very easy to work with to date, and we're kind of going through the launch of that uh, that that uh, portal right now. With regards to other technologies that we use, I mean, internally we use HubSpot to disseminate leads internally. We're in a very fortunate position in as much as we we have inbound inbound inquiries, which is is nice. So when they start to say where are the leads, you can actually kind of give them to them, which is in a very fortunate position because it doesn't happen very often uh, these days. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the kind of those are the, the key ones that we um, have implemented from a from a partner perspective. That kind of covers the majority of the the interfaces that we'll use. You know, being a small or smallish, I should say, just over 100 people um, organization, which we're trying to use. You know. I'm not necessarily going to say cutting edge, but we use a lot of software as a service applications internally, uh, which seem to make our life, I think they make our life easier most of the time, right? Uh, there's various applications like Bamboo that we use internally for uh, sharing content on social media, which I've used other applications in the past, but this one seems very, very straightforward and very intuitive to work with. And that's certainly a good way of disseminating information out. We use LinkedIn quite heavily at Big ID. Um, and anyone who who goes and looks online and follows Big ID will certainly agree with me there. But it's, you know, it's an effective way to get to a lot of people. So I know I posted something on LinkedIn yesterday about, you know, trying to recruit someone in EMEA. And I looked this morning when I woke up and, you know, already, I think it was something like 650 odd people had viewed it already um, wow. within a few hours of me posting it. Yeah. And it's not that I've got, you know, some massive network, but, you know, I have a network that reads stuff when you put it out there. So I was going to say an intelligent network. It's just a nod to all my LinkedIn friends. <laughs> Isn't that um, a technical term, an intelligent network? It is. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so but yeah, so that, yeah, those are the key things that we use anyway. So I just digressed a little bit there. And, and you'll, you'll have a portal at launch. We will. Yeah. That's, that's all in the plan. So we'll okay. have a portal at launch, which is, uh, which will be great. Right. I think it's, it's good to have the building from the, from the ground up, having the foundation of all this in place right at the beginning makes it, it just makes it easier to do business with us. And that's something that I learned from other people too. The, the easier we are to do business with, the more people are going to want to do business with us. I mean, it helps that we have a great product in a, in a, in a market that's trending, but you know, if we're easy to deal with as well, so that deal registration is simple, requesting co-op funds and things like that is simple, then it just makes everyone's life a little bit easier. Yeah, I hear that over and over from the people that I'm talking to, that their portal and reducing friction, making it easy for partners through the portal is just the most critical thing. And 
even more so in the last 18 months or so, making it easy to have get pricing, register deals and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Well, because if you, if you look at it from that perspective, and as much as I would like to think the big idea is the only technology these people are selling, it's not, right? I mean, for the majority of, of resellers, they have a large portfolio of solutions that they sell. So they're, they're pumping out lots of quotes, lots of deal regis is happening and, and things like that. So yeah, the less friction, the better, um, really, just to make, yeah, just, it just makes everyone's life a little bit easier, which is what we're trying to do. So I'm going to ask you two questions, the variations of questions that I ask when I'm hiring someone. First, what's a channel program that you've done that you think has been especially successful? One that you're especially proud of? It could be before Big ID. Um, I think it has to be the one at Silence. We were in a very fortunate position early on with having some very loyal partners at the beginning. And obviously it grew as the company became more successful. But I think there was a lot of input from a team that was pretty experienced. And it wasn't just one person driving it. You know, we had a, we had a great worldwide channel leader in DD and the rest of the supporting team, although there weren't very many of us, the input kind of came to build the channel program out and, you know, made it very fair. You know, you have to start looking at, at things like deal registration and discounts and non-standard pricing and things like that. That's part of every day. So you have to have an ethos behind the channel program that everyone stands behind. Um, and I really believe it at times we have that for sure in Spain. Okay. So when I say channel program, you know, in this next question, it doesn't have to be like the entire program. It could be a particular mm -hmm. campaign or, or something, a particular aspect mm -hmm. of it. But what's a program or a campaign or an aspect of, of something that you were doing that wasn't successful, that didn't perform as well as you had hoped? And, and why do you think that was? Mm, that's a good question. You me off there. I was already saying that my favorite one. Um, and then you went, that wasn't successful. I think, you know what, I'm going to go way, way back. And I think it was a, a program that we ran a long time ago at Blue Coat. And the reason it wasn't successful was because we were asking partners to work outside of their comfort zone. I think we'd, we'd acquired another company for basically for, for some of their channel partners, and we wanted them to add Bluco into their mix. So they, they weren't used to selling it. They didn't really grasp how to sell it. And I guess we didn't enable them well enough to do it. You have to be so cognizant of what partners are good at, and different partners are, are good at different things. That, so that was a program that, that really didn't work very well. But just to kind of talk about that a little bit more, I think you have to be just aware of what it is that you're asking the partner to do and take responsibility as the manufacturer, as the owner of that technology to create the market. I don't think there's very many, if any, resellers right now that are going to create a market for you. So as a startup specifically, and, and even bigger vendors that bring out, you know, new, new technology and things, I think the onus is always has to be on the vendor to make that, to create the buzz, to enable partners as well as they can and kind of lead by example when you're introducing something new, whether it's something that's a slightly different way of looking at things or a different technology with new terminologies like we had in silence, right? It was, we were probably the, the first people to start talking about AI and ML and then partners didn't understand what it was. And we were, we, we did a really very good job at the beginning of creating that market. There was a lot of buzz from a marketing perspective. They'd heard the name Silence, even if they didn't really know what we did. And I think lessons learned, right? A big idea. I think we're doing a good job of getting our name out there, going to, to different types of events, different types of shows, whether it's a, 
privacy show around uh, with organizations like IAPP or whether it's Black Hat in a couple of weeks time or RSA or whether it's technology events with, with the likes of SAP who not only are an investor in us but uh, we're also signing agreements with them from a reselling perspective you have to understand what your role is as a vendor as well as asking a lot from a partner as well that was a very long-winded answer to a quite simple question but I think it uh, you know it's a good point to make no I think that's very valuable and, and it kind of rolls into what I was going to ask about next, which is as a new company, you're only three years old. You don't have the brand awareness that some big players do. And how do you keep mind share among partners? That's a good question. And hopefully, no, I was going to say, if you've got an answer to that, I think, you know, I think it's... it's <laughs> well, I, I yeah, have consulting um, rates and we can talk about yeah. that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, no, I think it is, it's that mind share. It's having the ability in, in all kinds of different ways of punching above your weight, right? As a, as a startup, again, it kind of goes back to your network in as much as it, having, knowing lots of people affords you introductions, which affords you getting your foot in the door, and being able to make introductions with from a sales team perspective, for example. But it is kind of keeping that momentum going. See how I did that? Partner program name and there again. But keeping that momentum going and keeping mind sharing, keeping front of mind. And that has to be done by activity, right? It's working on deals together with partners, showing success, being present and also being showing innovation from a product perspective as well. So not just kind of sitting on our laurels and saying, yeah, we've done this bit you know, announcing things that are relevant to partners, continuous education, all of that kind of stuff. But it's not easy, right? Because, you know, we are a small company. We don't have hundreds of people. The whole idea and the whole ethos around why you would in, engage with uh, with resellers, for example, is that they have big sales forces, right? It's that classic, the channel is a sales force multiplier. But the challenge you have coming from the other side is that if we've got 10 salespeople compared to your 400, how do you engage? So it's kind of, I, I was going to use the word cherry picking. It kind of is almost cherry picking saying, well, these are the customers that we think will be successful at and doing that smart account mapping and not just for the sake of it, but just, you know, saying, well, we've, we've had some input. X companies come to, to us, big IDs, say that they're interested. Do you know people there? Can we walk in together? Right. So it's, it's definitely a big, big challenge. It gets easier as you get a little bit bigger, I think, as, as, as long as you're continuing to do the right things, if you have the right personnel that can manage relationships and that can have good communications out, so good communications from marketing, be it in webinars or newsletters or LinkedIn updates or updates on the partner portal or whatever. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's just grind. There is, if there was an easy button, I would have pressed it a while ago. But it's, it's, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's just grind. So you were saying that you have a pretty active marketing group and uh, inbound leads. So do those get turned over to your direct sales team or are you generating leads that are going to go to partners also? So a little bit of both, to be honest. Yeah, depending on what it is. And it's still early. The idea is that when we have launched the, the portal, so there'll be an easy way of propagating leads through that. At the moment, I would say, in all honesty, they go to our salespeople. They get generally get flushed out by some inside salespeople um, who have or business development uh, business development folks who kind of do a first pass to just to decipher what the what the information the other person is looking for because it's 
different people are asking for different information. Some people are end users, some people are consulting partners, some people are students or, or whatever it is that's coming in. So, some, you know, not all leads are created equal. But the idea of having all this technology in place is so that once we get it all in place um, and it's all up and running, that we will disseminate leads out to uh, to our partners for sure. Okay. So what should I have asked you about that I didn't? Uh, this has been great and, and we could talk a lot longer, but I was going to say what keeps you up at night, but I'm sure there's a ton of things that keep you up at night. Uh, yeah. what, what should I have asked you about that I didn't? Yeah, just don't ask me for timelines is always the question to, to, to ask or not ask. No, I don't think there's anything. I think it's it's an exciting time to be a vendor, right? I think it's it's perfect time to talk to you as we're, you know, pushing out our uh, you know new program and getting our, our kind of feet under the, the desk, as it were, from a global perspective and seeing success in lots of different arenas. But in all honesty, no vendor can do it on their own, right? So the the idea of having a channel is so that we can further our success but do it quicker than we would be able to if we suddenly decided to hire a hundred salespeople, which I don't think is necessarily uh, ever going to happen. So we're trying to build a program that makes it easy to work with so that we can all see success, right? It's that kind of race to get to, you know, 50 million or 100 million or whatever it is as an organization. We want to uh, to be able to, to, to look back and show the results and be able to measure the results too and measure our partners on how our relationships are going and all that kind of good stuff. So no, I don't, I don't think there was anything you really missed. Yeah, as to what keeps me up at night, conference calls mostly i have to say but, <laughs> right <laughs> but, well, but yeah there's, there's, there's always things you worry about it's like did i remember to do certain things and did i miss anything I and mean, most of the time you know there's reminders in all kinds of places right but but yeah if it's not on the calendar it's not going to happen kind of thing but yeah no i think it's we're in a good spot just because the executive team and the founders have have recognized what they need to do to make the company successful and channels is a, a major part of that and we're investing in that as an organization. So, yeah, I feel like we're, we're definitely, we're on the right path. Um, and as we continue to expand and grow as a company, we'll let, you know, keep moving down the right path with the right tech in the background of it and the right people managing it. So, yeah, it's all goodness. So one other thing before we get to the kind of the last couple of questions, just from a legal point of view or regulations or everything, how complex is it to launch a partner program in many countries and many regions simultaneously? You know, that is something that is a, not, I wouldn't say it's an issue, but we have to be cognizant of the different uh, different countries. Dealing with people in North America is different from, you know, having agreements with people in Turkey or France or India or wherever. So we've got a really good legal team who uh, is very patient with us is probably the best way of answering that question. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the best way of putting it. But yeah, you, I mean, you, you need to be aware of you know, local laws in the same way you would be when you employ people in different areas, in different regions. Yeah. So yeah, it's just have, having good people, again, makes a big difference. So the business world and the, the channel world is changing very rapidly. How do you keep up any particular podcasts or publications, blogs, websites, events, uh, other things that you, you find especially valuable? Yeah, I think I'm a big LinkedIn user and all kinds of stuff from LinkedIn. I also, I mean, I read CRN and all the usual stuff that I think everyone reads. I think just reading the news, to be honest, is is a, a you know the business news just keeps you up to date with what's going on, with with pertinent you know information around what things that make a difference to to your world and and being reasonably well rounded. 
Although having said that, don't get me wrong, I totally scroll through Facebook as well first thing in the morning to get all my kind of interesting bits and snippets. So I've always got something to talk to people about. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think those are the ones. And you know, again, I, I mean, I'm forever having conversations with peers, right? I think it's, you can't just, I don't know, like I've mentioned it tons I just sound like I talk to people all the time which actually is kind of my job right from a relationship management perspective but yeah just you know listening not just talking to people right so just listening to, to what other people are doing and talking about pains and successes and things like that is, uh, is always a good source of information but I think I'm not looking anywhere that normal people don't there's no secret secret uh, book that I've, I've read to the success in channel kind of way I think it's just paying heed to people that you know that are doing the right thing and learning from from them as well and and never being afraid to ask questions too I think it's always I've always been a, a big question asker of people even when you think you know a lot of stuff but there's always a ton of stuff you don't know so yeah just not being afraid to ask questions of people all right so how can people contact you if someone wants to get in touch with you LinkedIn would be by far the best place to uh, to contact me for sure. It's, all right, um, it's all open and public. Yeah, so yeah, Louise Cook with an E. Don't forget the E. Right, and is there like a an email address or some place for the Momentum program yet? So it's partners at bigid.com would be the place to go. All right, great. All right, I'll put those into the show notes on the Revenue Associates Step is website. So thank you for joining us today, Louise. Thank uh, you very much. We could, have, we could have talked for hours. I feel like this is, this is what I talk about all the time. So yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank well, you. uh, with you being so busy right now with the launch of this program, I really appreciate it. So I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book, as I do all guests, in appreciation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or another app, and you found the podcast interesting and useful, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about the podcast too. Thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, and please subscribe and listen to future episodes.